0: Good morning, Church. We've been in a series called The Church as Diaspora and in this series we've been looking at how the church is to live and to move and to minister and to witness when she's in an environment of great disruption and dispersion. Uh, We've been hearing in this series from the Apostle James, the Apostle Peter, later on we're going to hear from the Apostle Luke about how they ministered in the first century to the church that was in diaspora that was spread throughout the Roman Empire. And we've been seeing that the same spiritual issues that the first century church dealt with, that James and Peter and Luke wrote to, are the same spiritual issues that we are seeing arise again here in the 21st century as we face the coronavirus event. And so this morning we're gonna look at one of the character traits that the Apostle Peter uh, highlighted over and over again in his epistle, First Peter. And that is the spiritual character trait of being spiritually sober-minded, self-controlled, watchful, and having your minds prepared for action. Um, I think that that is uh, a really appropriate topic during these times because we're living in a time of great chaos and great confusion. And so uh, hopefully God's word will bring some order and some clarity to that. Let's pray together. Father, this morning as we are gathered uh, well in the midst of a chaotic and confusion, time of confusion, Uh, we pray that your voice speaking through your word would bring order and clarity and truth into the chaos. Uh, We pray, Lord, that uh, amidst all of the conflicting uh, noises and signals and static that we are receiving in our lives right now, that you would ground us so that our minds would be able to think clearly. And as a result of that, our lives would honor you in a more Um, sanctified and Christ-honoring way. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Would you bless our time together? Amen and amen. We're living in a time of conflicting signals and cultural static amidst our lives in the coronavirus event. Um, I think a lot of us right now, we feel like the man from uh, the epistle of James, where James talked about that people can tossed about to and fro by the wind and the waves of cultural um, uh, teachings and voices and that we can feel like we're uh, double-minded men and double-minded women uh, as we listen to these voices and so we're living in a lot of conflicting signals and cultural uh, static right now and we're being told that we're to wear a mask when we go outside but If we wear the wrong mask, or if we put it on the wrong way, then it won't do any good. We're being told that we're to go out and get food, but don't hoard. But then if you don't get enough food, then you have to keep going back to the market, and that kind of defeats the purpose. We're being told to stay inside, to shelter in place. And yet, uh, I was reading a news article this morning that was saying that people are flocking to the beach in Huntington Beach. Uh, You know, I was talking with my son, Keen this week, and... I was just putting him to bed and i just said this line to him to comfort him i said hey son maybe tomorrow we can go outside and as i was saying these words i thought how preposterous that is to say that maybe we can go outside but that's the times that we're living in we're told that we're now in the middle of a great recession or even a great depression and yet on the other hand there's the economy in certain parts of the country that are restarting and the stock market has been going up over the past month So we're living in a time of conflicting signals and cultural static and we're asking what does this mean? We're looking around and seeing that we're all the same, but at the same time there's a lot of differences. And we look at people who are in the same situation as us and doing much better than us. We're all the same. Uh, The coronavirus is this great equalizing event. Uh, We're all suffering, going through loss, adjusting, we're experiencing different levels of fear or uncertainty. And I think there's a real sense of camaraderie that we're feeling through this event, that we're all the same. But at the same time, when you look around, uh, there's differences between you and I, or you and I and others. And you look around and there's many people who are facing the same situation and they're doing much better than we are. Uh, examples, uh, you can think of first li- uh, heroic examples of people who are doing much more heroic acts than you and I, the first line, uh, responders, people who work in the grocery stores, uh, people who obviously who work in the hospitals. There's a young lady in our church named Lindsay. She works at um, Huntington Hospital in Pasadena and she is working as a nurse on the floor of her hospital where patients are being admitted because they think they have the coronavirus. Very heroic act. Um, You see the difference in her actions and ours uh, given her profession and uh, thank God for that. There's people who are gonna avoid getting sick better than you and I, and they're, they're gonna be in different, a different situation. Uh, there's gonna be people who are calmer than you or I. Uh, maybe it's just because they're more courageous, maybe it's more foolish, maybe they're kind of born that way, they're calmer people. But there are people that um, are gonna be different than us. There's people who are gonna hold on to their jobs better than you or I. There's people who are gonna homeschool their children better than you or who are gonna have family time better than you are you and I that seem more uh, seems more harmonious with their family there's people who are gonna invest in the stock market and they're gonna buy at the right time they're gonna sell at the right time better than you and I there's people who are gonna post better on social media uh, there's a guy that I'm Facebook friends with and he keeps posting videos of himself working out and how, what great physical shape he's in. And I keep watching that and, and saying, well, work out for me. Maybe it'll come to me a little bit, but that's not me. Uh, there's people who have better vegetable gardens than you or I. You know, As we're going to the store buying this produce, they're reaping the bounty of their produce in their own backyard. Those delicious carrots, those juicy tomatoes, those uh, spicy radishes, and they're showing these beautiful vegetables in their garden and that's much different that's much better than you and I there's people who have a better COVID-19 haircut than you and I people who are ordering takeout artisan food and posting pictures of it better than you and I people who are cooking delicious home-cooked meals that mother would be proud of better than you and I and the list goes on and on and we have these conflicting signals and this cultural this cultural noise coming out of at us and we're trying to figure out where we fit in in all of this and if there was ever a time when people wanted to be practically sober-minded self-controlled watchful and having their minds prepared for action practically uh, there's never been a better time to be that than this time agreed the question that we want to ask ourselves this morning however is um, spiritually how does god want the church to be spiritually sober-minded, spiritually self-controlled, spiritually watchful, and spiritually having our minds prepared for action. Uh, what is God specifically looking for, for our spirit from our spiritual character during this time as we try and pursue these character traits? The Apostle Peter emphasized over and over again as he wrote to um, gentile christians of the diaspora and he wrote to them about how they were to have these spiritual character traits and uh he was writing to a church that was facing great uncertainty great suffering during his time and he wanted to remind them that they have the grace and the mercy of the resurrected lord jesus christ living within them and they were held together in their faith by the power of of God and it is through that that the Apostle Peter wrote the following he said 1st Peter chapter 1 therefore prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded 1st Peter chapter 4 be self-controlled and sober-minded 1st Peter chapter 5 be sober-minded and watchful and uh, this idea of being sober minded and, and watchful and self-controlled and having your minds prepared for action had the idea of having clear thoughts a clear and calm mind. It had the idea of being focused and alert, um, girding up yourself, putting a belt on, getting ready for action. uh, The opposite of which would be having fuzzy thinking, unclear thinking as if you're drunk. And so what the Bessel Peter does is he gives us two motivations of why we should be sober-minded, self-controlled, alert, and uh, watchful, and having our minds prepared for action. Two reasons why we should be motivated to have those character traits And secondly, he gives two specific definitions of what that actually looks like in our life. So I want us to take a look at that. Um, Let's look at the first motivation that Peter talks about. He says, the the first reason why we should be uh, pursuing this character trait is because we need to uh, live knowing that Jesus' return is near. We need to live with the immediacy that Jesus can come back At any moment Peter said in 1st Peter chapter 1 verse 13 set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ Peter says as you look to the future as you place your hope in something in the future place your hope in knowing that Jesus Christ is going to return and he is going to give you his grace as he returns and as he takes you and I back to himself 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, he says something very similar, but more succinctly. He says, the end of all things is at hand. The end meaning uh, the culmination of things, the return of Jesus Christ. Peter wants us to live with the immediacy that Jesus can return at any moment. What would our spiritual lives look like if we were living that way? If we knew that this was the very last day that we were going to be here on planet Earth, if we knew that um, anything we had left to do, anything we had left to accomplish for the Lord needed to be done today, how would that change how we view our life and our relationship with the Lord? Peter is talking about having urgency in our spiritual walk. Urgency is very important. Um, You see what urgency does just in the secular world. When the coronavirus hit by mid-March, all of California was under a shelter-in-place order and there was an immediate urgency to shut everything down and most people have obeyed that. There was an urgency there. Um, When the uh, stock market started to plummet in February and and in March, and the federal government realized what was happening and how the economy was shutting down, they acted with urgency to pass this over $2 trillion stimulus plan really within a matter of a couple of weeks. And there was urgency there to get things done. When uh, the payroll protection plan came out uh, maybe about three weeks ago, um, there was uh, millions of businesses that applied for for these loans within and all the money, and at least in the initial stimulus, was gone within the f- less than two weeks. there was an urgency there. What urgency does is it brings clarity, it brings action, it brings um, movement and I think that urgency is one of the great things that is missing from so many of our Christian lives. You know, the reason why we don 't spiritually grow for a lot of us is not because we don 't have access to um, the information that God wants us to have for us to grow in our faith. It's not because we don't have access to that. It's not because we don't have opportunities to serve the Lord or to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word in the words of the Apostle James. Uh, The great reason why so many of us are stuck in our spiritual walk is because we lack spiritual urgency. We forget that we are to live with the immediacy that the Lord can return at any moment. And so the Apostle Peter uh, reminds us and he says um, throughout his epistle, God will impartially judge each other's work, all of our work. And that when God judges us, that judgment is going to begin with first with believers, the household of God, and second with unbelievers. And that is a very important um, encouragement and really a warning from the Apostle Peter. That he says we are to live with the immediacy that Jesus's return is near, because when Jesus comes back, he's going to pass judgment. Now that means different things for different people. Uh, for the believer who is faithfully serving the Lord, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ that he talks about in uh, Rome, uh, Romans. Uh, I'm sorry, First Corinthians chapter three and Second Corinthians chapter five, and that is when Jesus comes back. Uh, God is going to judge. He's going to judge. And he's going to judge us based upon our rewards for the work we have done in his name. And we, it says we will also suffer loss for the things that we have done, uh, maybe for the wrong reasons or motivations. And so for the believer faithfully serving the Lord, there is motivation because when Jesus comes back, there is going to be a judgment upon our works when we're in heaven. For the believer who may be lapsed, and you believe that you're still a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian, but maybe you've lapsed, maybe you um, have not been part of a church, maybe you're living in sin right now. This is a warning to get yourself right with the Lord, to come back to the Lord, because when he returns, he will judge you, and you do not want to be uh, found in a place where you're separated or living apart from him and his people. And for the person that is an unbeliever, this is Uh, a very important warning because what uh, Peter is saying is that if the Lord comes back at any moment um, and you're in a place where you're in unbelief that you'll be judged for all of eternity and you don't want that uh, to happen in your life. And so the first reason, the first motivation that Peter gives for us to uh, live with a sense of sober mindedness and self-control and uh, watchfulness and a mind prepared for action is because Jesus can return at any moment, and we need to live with urgency. The second reason that Peter gives in his epistle is a little bit more negative. He says, just as we are motivated positively by Jesus' return, we should also be motivated to have these character traits because Satan is seeking your downfall. Satan is, is searching the earth for people to devour. And so we need to be sober-minded and be aware of his ploys. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Satan and his demonic cohorts, Peter says, are, are traveling throughout the world, and they're looking for people to destroy. Um, is that going to be you? Is that going to be me? And I think as I look around in this coronavirus event, there's many ways that Satan is trying to devour, to destroy people. Let me just uh, give four examples of how I think Satan is at work right now. Number one is he is trying to capitalize on our spiritual idleness. Idleness is when uh, we're not moving with the Holy Spirit. We're not keeping in step and living by the Holy Spirit, as Paul says in Galatians chapter uh, chapter five and uh we're just kind of declining in our spiritual walk and saying we'll want to take advantage of that i was talking with someone who's connected to our church a believer and he said during this time i feel quote he said quote i feel disconnected i feel lonely but this is understandable he said it's depressing to think that i'm wasting time or worse moving backwards and so you need to recognize uh that Satan is at work right now and he's wanting to take your idleness and to take you further away from the Lord. And that is a satanic attack in part on your life. Second way that Satan is at work right now is he wants to get you to lapse back into your former evil patterns. Uh, Peter said in uh, 1 Peter chapter one that we are not to return to the ignorance of the passions of our former ignorance. And I I think during this time when we're all kind of self-quarantining, there's gonna be great temptation to go back to the life that we used to live before we were followers of Jesus Christ, to go back to the things that we idolize or that are spiritual temptations or weaknesses. And we need to recognize that Satan is at work in some way through that uh, to devour you. A third way that Satan is at work is he wants to work um, through your anxiety through your fear, Peter talks about this throughout his entire epistle. Uh, the believers that Peter was writing to, the Gentile believers, were experiencing fear. They were experiencing anxiety, um, living in an unbelieving world in terms of their relationships or their life situations. And maybe that's you right now. Maybe you have a sense of fear and anxiety in your life where uh, maybe it's finances, maybe it's a lack of jo- your job, maybe it's your health, maybe it's your relationships. But Satan is want to, going to work to keep you in a place of fear and anxiety. And fourthly, um, Satan is going to want to work to devour you during this time by bringing into your life the teachings of false teachers. Uh, Peter warns us of this in 2 Peter that uh, during times of diaspora, the church is going to encounter many false teachings and many false teachers. I was on uh, social media yesterday and one of the posts just randomly came up on my feed. Um, It's um, from a group called Local Long Beach News. And this one particular uh, reporter was interviewing a woman who works in Long Beach and she uh, runs this holistic uh, energy healing uh, center and the uh, reporter was asking the the New Age, New Thought teacher, about how we can all best deal with the coronavirus, the stress of it, um, the self-quarantine. And the woman replied this. She said, the best thing that you can do, she said, quote, was to befriend your dark side. She said, what we should be doing during this time when we're failing or falling short is, she said, quote, we need to give ourselves into our pleasure give ourselves into our indulgence and we need to feed our ego the answers are all in us is what she said and i was listening to that and go that is the very definition of what peter is talking about in second peter about how false teachers will arise to their own destruction and so uh, peter gives two motivations of why we should have these character traits positively the return of Jesus is near and so we are to live with that immediacy and negatively satan prowls around uh looking for someone to devour but Peter goes on and he actually defines what do these spiritual character traits look like and he gives two definitions of what it looks like to be spiritually sober-minded self-controlled watchful and having a mind that's prepared for action and so i want to go to that right now and uh in first peter chapter 1 verse 13 through 16. i'll go ahead and read that peter says therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of jesus christ as obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance but as he who has called you is holy, you also should be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Peter says in verse 13 that we are to prepare our minds for action, we are to be sober minded. He says, skip on down to verse 15, <clears throat> that as a result of that, we are to be holy. Holy means to be set apart from the world. It means to think and act in ways um, that are different than the world in terms of our conduct. Verse 16, Peter has said um, that we are to be holy because God has called us to himself. And God is holy. And as God lives within us, he has given us the power to live a holy life and to honor him through that. This Uh, topic of holiness is something that Peter returns to back uh, and uh, over and over again through 1 Peter and 2 Peter. In six of the eight chapters uh, that make up 1 Peter and 2 Peter, Peter mentions the importance of living a holy life, of realizing that you are God's holy people. Peter says this, we are built up as a spiritual house. We are a holy priesthood. He says that we are to escape the corruption and defilements of the world. He says that since we are looking with haste to the day of god we are to live godly and holy lives peter emphasizes holiness over and over again the apostle james who also spoke to the diaspora christians um, said that we are to keep ourselves unstained from the world that's how he defined holiness he also says that friendship with the world is enmity towards god and when we think about holiness i i Tend to think of it in um, three different ways i think this has been ver- very helpful and for my own christian walk you see this throughout the bible um the holiness defined and practically number one is living a holy life you know committing yourself to doing what god wants in righteousness and holiness and godliness um, actively demonstrating in our thoughts and actions that uh, we are committed to living out of the holiness that the lord has given to us Um, There's a man in our church and uh, he has been seeking out um, those who are older to disciple him during this time, to use his time prudently, uh, redeeming the time, as Paul says, and that's an example of holiness. Um, There's examples of parents who have had problems with their children and instead of just trying to solve it on their own, they've been reaching out to others to seek out prayer, to help them to parent their children in a godly way. That's an example of holiness. Um, I think for me last night I was praying for my children and I prayed the same prayer um, over them and I I just was using some of the themes of first Peter and I was praying that my kids would not be grumbling during this time Uh, I prayed that they would have joy during this time of trial and I prayed that the Lord would sanctify them through this time of, of suffering these are huge themes that the Apostle Peter and the Apostle James talks about And so, I think those are all um, examples how we're trying, uh, believers in our church are trying to live out holy lives amidst the situation. So, that's one example of holiness, that we are actually living holy lives. A second example of holiness is uh, maybe we're not living holy lives, but we actually turn from our evil ways and we actually repent of ways that we have not been living in holiness. And that's actually an act of holiness. Um, I've mentioned before that what this um, coronavirus self-quarantine has done is it's revealed to me how many things I've been depending upon um, other than the Lord uh, to bring me peace and joy and comfort Um, all these material things that I felt like I needed to make me feel better um, food uh, things that I would buy and I think that that has been very eye-opening to me as a sanctifying influence and so it's helped me to to turn from some of my ways Um, i got an email from someone in the church and they were confessing all of these ways that they have fallen short uh, over the past month or so kind of gone back to some of their evil ways and they had committed themselves from turning from that and that's an exact an example of holiness we may not always live holy lives but when we confess that to the lord or confess that to others and we turn from that that's an example of holiness and number three a third example is when we simply depend on the Lord for our holiness, we, we try and connect with him through prayer, or reading the word of God, or spending time with him. Um, and we recognize that he is the source of our holiness. Uh, I, I think that's very important to the whole process. I know um, several people in our church that are using this time to spend more time reading the Bible, to spend more time praying, to spend more time reading theology. And uh, they're connecting with the Lord through that. And so those are wonderful examples of holiness. And so one of the definitions that the Apostle Peter gives of how we are to live uh, sober-mindedly and self-controlled and being watchful and having minds prepared for action is what that actually looks like is holiness in all of its different forms. Let's go on to a second definition that Peter talked about, and that is uh, that all of those character traits also manifest themselves through love through love and service to the body of christ turn with me to first peter chapter 4 verse 8 through 11. first peter uh, chapter 4 verse i'm sorry verse 7 through 11. peter writes this the end of all things is near Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers over a multitude of sins show hospitality to one another without grumbling as each has received a gift use it to serve one another as God, as good stewards of God's varied grace whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever First Peter chapter 4 verse 7-11 Peter says again in verse 7 that we are to be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of our prayers. Verse 8 through 10, he uses this phrase, one another, alelon in the Greek. Alelon means one another. And any time you see one another, alelon, uh, in the New Testament, it's really referring to believers, believers, loving or serving or praying or encouraging other believers it's believer to other believer one another Um, in verse 8 he says we are to love one another because love covers over a multitude of sins Um, love is patient love is kind love is forgiving Um, it doesn't completely ignore sin but it's um it's very um patient and 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 uh understanding towards the sins of others Verse 9, he says we are to not only show love towards one another, but we are to show hospitality to one another. That means that we are to welcome other Christians, and not in a grumbling way, but in a joyful way, and to treat them kindly. Verse 10 and 11, again, he goes on to say that we are to serve one another as uh, stewards, as faithful stewards of the grace that God has given to us through the gifts that he has given to us that uh, are mentioned in, in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that God has given every Christian a spiritual gift. And all of the spiritual gifts fall into one of two categories. Some spiritual gifts are speaking gifts, and other spiritual gifts are serving gifts. And um, I just want to give some examples of how 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 7 through 8, as we're living with the urgency of knowing that the return of Christ is near, how that's playing out in our church community. Uh, Peter talks about the importance of loving one another in this passage and we see that happening in our church many of you have given to the Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 fund this is um, uh, a fund that we set up early on when we were first ordered to shelter in place in mid-March that people could donate to and we would take a hundred percent of those donations and give it to believers who are in need. Paul says in Galatians chapter six, verse nine and 10, that we are not to grow weary in doing good. We're not to give up because we'll reap a harvest if we keep doing good. And we are to do good to all people, but especially the believers in the family of God. And so we set up this fund for people to donate, voluntarily donate to. And uh, we we have been giving out this money. We've raised close to $16,000 in the past, a little over a month. And we've been giving this money out to other believers who are in financial need, some people who have lost their jobs, who have lost their storefronts, who have um, are helping out their families, who um, are need the needing the money for groceries or for rent, haven't been able to mor- make mortgage payments. And so um, that is an example of how you, City Bible Church, have been loving one another and doing that faithfully. I'm so proud to call myself your pastor with that. Uh, Peter talks about how love covers over a multitude of sins, and we're seeing that in our church both before the coronavirus and through the coronavirus event. We're going to be restarting up our Men's Purity small group Uh, pretty soon. This is a group for men that are struggling with issues of, of spiritual purity. And I think that that group has seen an immense amount of spiritual growth and accountability in it in the past. And as we restart this group up, it's going to be a group of guys that love each other. And even though a lot of them are struggling with certain sins, um, there's love that covers over that. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Another thing that Peter has talked about in this passage is um, that we are to be hospitable towards one another. We are to have hostility. I almost said said, uh, hostility hospitality towards one another That's a much better way to go as a christian we are to have hospitality towards one another and we've seen this in our church um, uh, the other week uh, a bunch of people from the church got together and it was another guy uh, it was ted's birthday in our church and a bunch of people in the church drove over to a ha- his house uh, gave him birthday cards sang to him ordered him some food and and that was just a really kind act of, of loving someone um, when they had to celebrate their birthday indoors because of the self-quarantine. Hospitality. Uh, last week, Sheldon texted me and he goes, Hey, I just smoked some tri-tip. Do you want some? And he showed me a picture. I was like, yeah, of course. That looks amazing. And so, um, and so I, I got some and that was really hospitable of him. Uh, this week, uh, Anita and Alexis came by and uh, they put a whole bunch of decorations on their van and dro- parked it in front of our house and just said, hey, we miss you. And that was such a blessing to our family and to my children and to my wife and myself. Uh, Lorraine, my wife, she has this new idea for a ministry. Uh, we used to do this ministry called Farm Table Dinner where we just kind of set up a huge table. We'd eat together, welcome other people into that that uh, weren't part of the church. And we obviously can't do that anymore. And so she has this idea called Farm Table Harvest where um, when we're taping these services, we're gonna put out a big table, we're gonna invite people to come over at the same time and just lay out on the table their fresh vegetables um, that they've grown or the bread that they've made or some of the cakes or cookies and we're gonna put on the table and then people will take turns going to the table and just uh, share in the harvest of what we've produced in our church. And I think that's a very good way of being um, hospitable to others. A couple more examples of what we see in this passage being played out in our church. The Apostle Peter says that if we um, have speaking gifts, that we are to speak as if we're speaking the oracles of God, speaking on God's behalf and to bless others and to build up the body of Christ. Uh, we see many of the examples of that in our church right now. Guys, uh, Elders like Garen and Norm and Mike are sending out uh, video devotionals to the church and just using their teaching gift to encourage and build up the church during this time. We see a lot of the men rising up in their small groups to lead the small group. Uh, Guys like Jose, Jay, Nathan, Sheldon, John, Anthony, James, Kevin, I'm probably leaving out some of the other guys as well, but you know who you are. Um, But just seeing how these guys are serving using um, the speaking abilities or gifts that God has given to them. It's such a blessing to see that, of how faithful these men are being as well as some of the women in the women's group who are teaching Uh, women had uh, one of the women's zoom groups last night and um, I I didn't listen in but um, I heard it went really well and maybe it's not speaking gifts but it's serving gifts that Peter talks about he says that we are to serve with the strength that God provides And I see many examples of that in our church i see earl that has taken initiative to do zoom prayer meetings several times a week and that has been really sustaining our church in prayer i see guys like brian who are now editing this sunday morning service for us and that's been a tremendous help i see guys like matt and kyle and jocelyn and alexis who um, are thinking about doing some kind of zoom worship night Uh, kyle wrote an original Um, song unto the lord that he performed on good friday i see uh, people like norm and cynthia who are doing so much of the work behind the scenes administratively to help the church Um, people like mike again cynthia again who are doing uh, ministry to the kids during this time and phil jocelyn who have restarted our youth ministry uh, during this time after we shut down so there's just so many examples i wish i had more time to mention every one of you uh, but those are just some of the, the wonderful examples of what God is doing in our church during this time as we um, are sober-minded, self-controlled, watchful, and prepared in our minds for action. And that's manifesting itself through people um, committing or recommitting themselves to living holy lives and people loving and serving the body of Christ. I want cl- and, and this is all for the glory of God, as Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4. It is for the glory of God through Jesus Christ through the life of Jesus Christ who lives within us, and as we serve the body of Christ, it brings glory to God. And I wanna close our time um, by uh, reminding us of a teaching of Jesus in Matthew chapter 25. And Jesus said this, he said, there was a bridegroom who who uh, who was around 10 virgins, and he left and the 10 virgins were waiting for the bridegroom to return and five of the virgins put oil uh, got some oil for their lamps to be ready in case the bridegroom returned at night the other five were foolish it says and they didn't get oil um, thinking that he won't return at night or he won't return anytime soon well one night the bridegroom returned unexpectedly and the five virgins that had oil in their lamps, they put oil in them, they lit it, they went outside to meet the bridegroom to light the way, and they met him outside. The other five did not have oil, and so they asked the five with oil, can we have some of your oil? And those who had some said, we don't have enough, but if you go buy some, maybe it'll work out for you. So they went, they left, they went to go buy some, and the bridegroom took the five virgins with oil for their lamps lit, away went into the banquet and shut the doors. The five virgins that did not have oil came back and found that the bridegroom and the other five virgins had left. The doors were shut to the banquet and when they tried to knock on the door to get into the banquet Jesus says the bridegroom turned to them and says get away from me I don't know you. And Jesus told that story to remind all of us to be sober-minded self-controlled, watchful, and having our minds prepared for action because we don't know when Jesus is going to return. And we are to live with the immediacy that he will at any moment. And I think that brings an urgency to our Christian faith. We are also to recognize that we are in danger of being shut out from the banquet if we're not prepared for his return, if we're not right with the Lord. We are to live with the warning to know that Satan prowls around and he's seeking to devour you in this very moment. So let's get away from him. And so if you're here, if you're a believer, take great encouragement. You are to be motivated um, to have these character traits, to devote yourself to the Lord. If you're an unbeliever, this is uh, a sign from the Lord that you're listening to this, to get right with him. And um, let's pray That we're all right with him when he returns. Let's pray together. Father, as uh, we close this time, we close it with a sense of recognizing the chaos and the confusion, the noise, the static that is in our culture, but at the same time, uh, we desire and we commit ourselves to being a people, of being spiritually sober-minded, self-controlled, being watchful, and being uh, having minds that are prepared for action or for whatever you call us to or summon us to do or to be prepared for your return. And I pray, Lord, that the church would be faithful in that, that the church would be a light in the darkness, that we would weld the word of God as a lamp shining in the dark, as Peter says, to the world around us. And so thank you, Lord, for this time and pointing us and grounding us in the right direction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you guys.